there's a, a limited number of resources in South Florida, right? So sometimes it's really hard to find specific skill sets. But if you can now open it up to the world, not even the country, to find those skill sets and allow for that telecommuting, that just gives us, our talent pool just went through the roof, right? We're no longer limited to, you know, geographically to South Florida. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Each episode shares our latest research, benchmarks, and best practices on world-class performance. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. I'm Jay Ruffin, your host for today's podcast, and my guests are Dimple Chathani and Scott Piccolo, CIOs at Norwegian Cruise Lines, or NCL for short. I'll be guiding the discussion, providing context as needed. As always, a full transcript for this episode can be found at podcast.thehackettgroup.com. Dimple, Scott, thank you for joining us today. I wanted to reach out and, and ask you guys to kind of give your thoughts and insights around uh, how you responded given the COVID pandemic. A lot of folks are going through similar things, but I think you guys have done things uniquely and specific to the cruise industry, which I thought would make a great story to tell. So I wanted you guys to kind of share with us some of your uh, thinking and kind of responses, you know, given certain questions that we might have. So first of all, I mean, you know, given digital technology and and uh, how digital technology had been used prior to COVID, did you really think it would work the way it worked when COVID hit? I think from our perspective, so since we took on these roles almost two years ago, we knew there were a lot of foundational items really missing at NCLH, right? In order to transform digitally or innovate, you had to set a foundation. And so we saw core things that were wrong. There was cybersecurity, there was outsourcing, we brought that in. We made other changes, right? We knew our infrastructure, network, and operations cyber all had to work together. And we always knew we had to have a mobile workforce, right? We're on the ships on new builds and dry docks. We travel. And we knew we had to have a mobile workforce. So from our perspective, the planning and the changes, not only in the areas that were missing certain expertise, but also cultural shift and mindset of how we serve the business, I think all converged together as we got the organization ready to work from home, right? I don't think everyone ever imagined that we were going to uh, transition that quickly. Obviously, we have a workforce that does not have all a laptop. It's not a consulting organization. You've got call center folks. They're not used to technology, but we we're very fortunate that we made the changes that we made in the time that we made it to know, in order to enable us to effectively work from home. Can I tell you I knew it was going to be perfect? I, I know. No one knows, right? You don't know till it happens, but I can tell you that Scott and I felt strongly about the changes that we had made and the push that we were making in order to put insulation in a good position to move forward in every direction, right? That, that's been lacking from our perspective. Yeah. Uh, just to echo that, first of all, Jay, thank you very much for having us. We appreciate that. And you know, just to echo what Dimple was saying, this was one of those things where there's no silver lining. There's nothing good about COVID. And certainly the industry we're in, we, we, we're probably impacted harder than anyone else. But I would say that we were very fortunate in the timing and that we had had the opportunity to do some of the things that Dimple just touched on. Had this happened in the first six months or eight months or year of our tenure, I think we would have been in real trouble. We would have struggled. We were not prepared to quickly adapt to having a fully mobile work workforce and responding the way that we did. So 
think we were very fortunate in that respect from the time of when it all happened. You really didn't have to drive adoption given the new way of working, or did well, you? Uh, no, we did, right? So we did. We had some things in play that we had to accelerate, right? We were driven by user experience. I don't have to VPN in. We've got Zscaler, right? We had to move to Okta, single sign. We had to be, make sure that our cybersecurity tools were extended to the home workforce, right? So I will tell you, there were things that were going to take a little bit longer that we're ready to implement that we did accelerate in this transition to work from because we knew people would be open to it because they knew there could be a hiccup, right? So we just pushed and pushed. We pushed off that we pushed Zscaler. So we took advantage of that opportunity for two reasons. One, to get a better user experience. And number two, to make sure we were secure working from home, right? We do have a zero trust model. We had to uh, protect our endpoints, right? It wasn't about the corporate infrastructure anymore. So we need a secure way to connect back to our corporate infrastructure and make sure the devices had the same cybersecurity tools that we had while we were on our corporate infrastructure. So we knew that we could push even harder in this moment because people were going to welcome change. So did we accelerate things that we were on the path for? Yes, we did. So we, there was adoption that had to happen, that people were not on Okta, they were not on Zscaler, they didn't understand these tools, but we, we knew we could, we could make a, a hard push to accelerate some of these things. Have you had to shift your strategy as COVID lingered on? Have you you know, decided to keep more folks on telecommuting. I mean, how's this strategy kind of shifted as you had to think about COVID lingering, but also uh, think about reopening? How's the strategy kind of shifted for you guys? I think we were very fortunate in that we were so successful in that transition to work from home that it took the pressure off. In early days, our CEO was very adamant that, you know what, because he understands culture, right? And one thing that you lose when you go to this work from home structure is you tend to lose some of that culture. You don't have the idle chat in the, you know, when you're getting your coffee in the morning or whatever it might be. So you really do lose some of that sense of community. And he's one of those people that's very aware of that type of thing. So, so from his perspective, he was like, how fast can we get back to the office? I will tell you that now he looks at it and goes, what's the hurry? What's the rush, right? We've been successful. We've actually done a phenomenal job we, you know, from a, an efficiency perspective and a performance perspective. We haven't taken a hit and we see what's going on in the world. What's the rush? We can take our time and we can get back to the office in that quote unquote normal environment on our own time versus rushing you know, sooner rather than later. So, so I think it's it been a bit of a mind shift you know, and, and a thought process from our leadership because they've seen how effective we've been at working from home. Technologies that's out there and available to us to, to support that, it's been uh, tremendous. This is, again, one of those things where a few years ago, how would you manage this? I don't know how we would live without Zoom today, you know, and some of the other, and Teams, and some of the other technology that allows us to, uh, to do what we do and, and do it effectively. I mean, we have town halls with 1,400 people, and it's effective. And you have an uh, ability to speak up and communicate and interact. So it's pretty impressive when you think about it. Yeah, Frank's definitely gotten more com comfortable as time has gone on. He's definitely changed his mindset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we've been successful. Had we not, he would have continued that, oh my God, we need to rush and get everyone back into an office setting as soon as possible. But because it has gone the way it's gone, he's very comfortable now waiting it out and let's do it when the timing is right. I mean, given some of that you know, the staff definitely have gone through, I would imagine, a lot of emotional shifts. How have you been able to take care of the staff during this kind of turbulent time? I think Scott and I had already, when we first started these positions, 
had talked about culture. It's something that we learned at Arthur Anderson. I think you remember the Android culture for many of us that knew the Anderson back in the day. But we believed in that culture and the connections with our team. And I think because we had built that culture, we got to know as many people as we could. That carried through to work from home. Of course, we've got the daily stand-ups, right? So everybody's got that. There's this constant communication. It's very supportive. And I think every time there's been a big change, obviously, our industry's had furloughs, terminations. We've been very open to having more, instead of having a large town hall, we come meet with each of our direct reports uh, team meetings, right? And be able to answer questions and be as open and transparent as we can with what we know. Obviously, the situation changes every day, but I think we've extended the way that we were in the office to home. And I think our directs and our directs directs have adopted that same mindset. That's great. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting, a lot of folks shifted to telecommuting. I mean, do you, what percentage of kind of the IT staff do you see remaining remote going forward versus coming into the office? Or do you see a a percentage of, of staff being fully remote going forward? That's a really good question, Jay, and that that is, and it kind of ties back to that uh, earlier comments about where we're so comfortable now, and our executive team is so comfortable now, and in, in how we're how effective we've been in working remotely. Whereas that would have not necessarily been an option for us in the past. I think it absolutely is an option for us now. We actually do have a couple of folks that we've already committed to do that with, and you know, I think. One of the things that we talked about, you know, with our executive team is this opens up opportunity for us as well. There's a, a limited number of resources in South Florida, right? So sometimes it's really hard to find specific uh, skill sets. But if you can now open it up to the world, not even the country, to find those skill sets and allow for that telecommuting, that just gives us our, our talent pool just went through the roof, right? we're no longer limited to, you know, geographically to South Florida. So I think that's really important. And I think our leadership, our executive team understands that now and they see that and they go, yeah, it makes sense, especially in IT. I think specifically because there are so many things that we do that can be done remotely, you know, because it's not necessarily guest facing or, you know, business facing. And we can just go out and get the best talent available to us regardless of where they're located. So I think it's been real I think it's been good, and I think that we will see more of it going forward. And I think we'll have a hybrid model, right? Because there's a certain part of the IT staff that's not sitting in a server room the way Frank anticipates that IT runs by sitting in the data center. So one of the questions he had asked us, so everything's okay, and nobody's in the data center? I'm like, Frank, we don't need to be in the data center unless something breaks down. For the benefit of our listeners, Frank is Frank Del Rio, the CEO of Norwegian Cruise Lines. So it's kind of a funny comment where that, idea of IT is. And I've told my our team, at least my team, which is project management, some of those things that's more business facing. I said, look, you don't want to be thought of that way. So you've got to have a hybrid. Right? We've got to come meet with the business. We have to be there in person. So we can look at a hybrid uh, remote workforce, right? You're in the office, you're out of the office. And I think people need to be cognizant that we're all on a video conference. Our etiquette is different, right? We all know we're on video. But when half the team is sitting in the conference room and the other team is calling in, the dynamic's different. And the people that aren't in the room lose out. So we have to be cognizant of the fact that there are times we need to be in the office and we have to figure out when those times are important and when they're not, and depending on the role that person has in the organization. So it'll be a combination of things from our perspective. It's interesting, um, Scott, I was thinking about something you just said. I mean, how have the executives and kind of leadership what feedback have you got from them regarding how you responded given the things that have happened and in, in COVID and 
reopening? What's been their their feedback to you? That's a really good question, Jay. That that has been one of those really again. There's nothing good about this. There's certainly this has been a horrific experience, especially within our industry. But from an IT perspective, it relied on IT and the changes that Dimple and I have been championing and spearheading over the last two years. You could immediately see the impact and value of it. So you know, Frank has actually made multiple comments in, ex- in in our executive team meetings with all of you know vice presidents and above within the organization. On numerous occasions, has talked about the exceptional job that IT did in preparing our organization to go to, to work from home. So it's been a real kudos for us. It's been a uh, kind of a feather in the cap, if you will. And, you know, it was, it was very positive, right? And I think it really, because it's not always easy for folks to see what's going on with IT. Usually when you know what's going on in IT, it's be- not for a good reason, right? Especially at that level. If the CEO knows what's happening in IT, it's probably for the most part, probably not for the right reasons. So it was really nice for him to to give us those kudos. And he did it on multiple occasions and from the rest of the leadership team as well. They've been very pleased and appreciative of, of all the hard work that was done to get us to this point so that we could transition so smoothly. So it's been good. It's been really good. That's great. And given you know what you guys have seen, are there, and I guess are seeing, what are some of the things you might be planning for? I mean, there, needless to say, there, there, there may be setbacks, you know, or things that you're going to have to make sure your address as, as COVID lingers on. Are there new things or things that you know are going to come that you're you're planning to address kind of in the near term or midterm? Well, look, I think we can all say that we, we know that every uh, we walk into a store today, there's a temperature scan, right? A temperature scan is going to happen. We're, we're doing that with the crew today, right? We've got to report to the CDC twice a day. Other things will come. They may be a form of contact tracing, COVID testing. So MSC just started cruising, right? So they've got, I think they do, do multiple tests. And I think COVID testing, when we've always talked about this from the beginning, right? What gives you more confidence than a test? That hasn't been confirmed what our protocol is going to be, but we're obviously watching the other lines that have gone out there, the ones that have done well, not so well, creating a, a social uh, a bubble, right? So we can control the interactions. So I think those are things will come and there's going to be a careful balance, right? The industry has spent a tremendous amount of time saying, how quickly can I get you on and off the ship? And now we're just going to slow that down. But I do think it's like adoption of technology. People are going to understand there are going to be more steps. It's not going to be like it was. I may have to wait for the results of my COVID test for 90 minutes before I get on the ship. And we're going to have to do a really good job of what are the things we can do and take advantage of that time when they're waiting? Or there's, is there things we can do? Can we muster them at that time? What are the things we can do to help that process? And that's what, what I've seen so far. Again, the healthy sale panel along with Royal Caribbean, we're working through that and we'll soon know what that protocol is going to be, but we're preparing for those types of things in mind. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, the new normal, right? And it's the new normal is, is going to include, to your point, Dimple, probably a combination of things from, you know, additional cleanliness, it sounds like, to possibly, uh, you know, test more proficient testing, probably elements of uh, telecommuting as well. Are there other things that you're, you guys are kind of planning for for the new normal that you know it's going to have to be a part of? of how kind of the IT strategy rolls out because these are things that the business is going to want to to include and in how they operate. Well, and Dimple pretty much touched on those. It's funny, actually, Jay, you were talking about cleanliness. You know, it's something I like to say to a lot of folks outside of our industry. I said, forget COVID, even before COVID, 
what other venue have you ever gone to that you shared with thousands of other people where you constantly have somebody running up and saying, washy, washy, right? Trying to clean your hands, right? No, seriously, think about that. And as well as we have staff that wipe down the banisters and do anywhere that, that's heavily touched on the ship. We've been doing that for a very long time. It's been standard protocol on a ship because at the end of the day, even a common cold breaking out on a ship is a bad thing. So it's kind of interesting that we became sort of the poster child for COVID and this terrible thing and everybody's worried about cruising. The reality of it is, I think cruise ships have always been probably one of the, the cleanest places and, and one of those venues where it's always been a high priority to make sure that it's, everything is, is very clean and disinfected and all of that. So it, it is an interesting thing that we're, you know, kind of that, that we're the, the poster child for it. But at, at the end of the day, when you look at it, we all, we've always done a really good job at maintaining a clean space and understanding that when you've got thousands of people constantly touching an area or something, I mean, that doesn't happen in malls. It doesn't happen in, in football stadiums. It doesn't happen in large restaurants. It doesn't happen anywhere else. Not really, especially not at the level that we do. So it is an interesting thing. So, you know, those things will continue. We will improve upon those. We will do even more. You know, really, that's not an IT thing. From an IT perspective, I think Dipple really touched it touched on it. We are waiting for final requirements from the CDC and what we'll prioritize based on that. But then we also have our own set of protocols and our own thoughts in terms of what we can do, how we can leverage technology to improve the experience while also creating the safety. So, you know, there's just a variety of things, whether it's virtual queuing or some other things that we're looking at that you can do that can help with social distancing and things of that nature. While also, and maybe even improving the guest experience, right? It doesn't have to get worse. So we're looking at it from that perspective and really thinking about technology from that perspective and how we can make the experience as good as it possibly can be in this new norm. That's great. Given all this that you guys have experienced in some of the technology you used and kind of the planning, both prior to COVID and, and, and during COVID, I mean, what's been, if you say, the greatest asset? I mean, what has been that thing that, you know, if you didn't have this, you think it would be a lot worse than it has been? What would you say the your biggest asset has been? That's a bit of a tough one. I can tell you it's something, the thing that people don't think about every day until it happens, I worry about how secure we are at home. So, you know, Carnival recently had an issue, and I will tell you that folks piped up because oh, it's, it's one of our peers, it's one of our competitors, and it felt close to home. But to me, every day that's close to home because the impact of that, right, we've been impacted from a revenue perspective severely, as we all know, we're not able to sail. And if we had an incident, you know, God forbid, it would be challenging. So knowing that I feel more confident about what we've done, right, it's an ever-evolving situation, that make that I would say that would be the biggest asset because the, the implications are the what could happen as a result of that is, is much bigger and we can't afford that. No one can, but even more so in this situation that we're in. And Scott, I don't know from your perspective. Exactly that. We recognize that we are more vulnerable right now with the work at home, right? We've taken your, you know, your controlled network and we've just basically spread it all over and recognize that that makes us potentially more vulnerable. And quite frankly, the cyber risks have increased, right? Because the criminals understand that. You know, it's a target rich environment. So I think the commitment that we made early on, if honestly, I think it was like the first thing we focused on, the commitment to cybersecurity and the tool suite that we've now implemented 
was absolutely one of the most critical things in terms of our ability to work from home and feel confident and feel safe and secure. Now, does that mean that we're 100, you know, no one is bulletproof, right? But we feel like we have state-of-the-art protection. We feel like we've done above and beyond what we need to, to feel comfortable that we are uh, creating a, a safe and secure environment for, you know, for our folks that are working remotely. So I think that from my perspective, I would say that was probably the most important thing was, was that, that big, that big, and that was, again, that was our first initiative. That was literally the first thing that we did when we started uh, two years ago was, was start focusing on cybersecurity and really kind of cleaning that up and creating a real strategy, you know, and a real plan. And it's proven to be a good choice given the, the, the environment we're in. I'll add to that, right? Our people are our assets, right? We talk about everybody that's serving the entire business, whether it's the service desk, which before COVID wasn't running so well, we're supporting everybody effectively, not long wait times, everybody that's on, on the reservation side of the house that is uh, worked on automating refunds, right? We weren't, our systems weren't built to refund in that mass volume. They were built to take bookings in mass, not refunds. So I got to just give a shout out to our entire team. Our people are our assets because we would not yep. be successful without them supporting the entire business, right? And I think that's a, a testament to the team. They are our asset. And doing it shorthanded, quite frankly, as you know, we have, we've had to have some furloughs and some, some other things that have happened within our industry, you know, not just us because of the impact of COVID. And, and so these folks are doing this and they're doing this shorthanded. I would say that that is a testament to the quality of the, of the folks that we have working for us. That's great. I mean, I know that uh, you guys have stand-ups daily and and you have uh, both morning and I guess uh, afternoon stand-ups. And I know that you both have been participating in those. Has that helped you engage with the staff? Because, you know, again, I would imagine morale is something that can be impacted during these times. Has that helped manage morale and kind of help you be engaged with the staff and kind of keep a, a uh, kind of a pulse of what's going on? I think that Dimple and I, from the beginning, really made a, a concerted effort to make sure that we were very accessible. And we've always been very accessible. We There are formal hierarchies, but there are no hierarchies within our organization, right? We talk to everyone on a regular basis. And we were doing that well before you know COVID or anything else. And we host Thanksgiving you know, parties and do all kinds of things to try to build that sense of community and relationship with all of our folks. So it was just a natural extension of that to continue when we were in this mode. And it's hard because we've got so many things going on. We do have such limited staff. You are so you know dispersed now with everybody kind of working remotely. So it is even more challenging now, but I think it just naturally happens, right? Because we have regular meetings with folks throughout our organization, whether they're the stand-ups or anything else, we're definitely very engaged. I joke about, you know, we both joke about our calendar. You look at you, you look at our calendars and you find 30 minutes in a day, man, that's like gold. That's go eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich real quick, you know. But, but that's okay. I mean, we get it. That's what we got that's how we need to be operating right now. While other parts of the business may not be operating at full capacity because we're not cruising, IT is that is there and then some, you know. It doesn't slow down for us. You know, we're interacting with all of our folks, you know, at, at all levels uh, regularly, every day. And I think if we had not started, it'd be very unnatural to start that now. You you can't buy it. You can't believe it. It's not real. Right. It just it just doesn't happen. Uh, and I'll tell you, if I get a note about somebody in the service that's doing a great job, I write to them. 
and the reaction you get is amazing because they do need to be acknowledged, right? You handled one person's computer problem. That is a big deal because they might've been trying to get something done for Frank or whatever it is. Close the books. Every little bit counts. And I know Scott and I both tend to write personal notes to folks whenever we hear about something great that they did because they need to hear about it. They don't need to just hear about it when something didn't go well, right? They need to hear about when they do a great job. And so I know that we've always done that and we're doing it even more so now as personal as we can be. Because again, it ties back to what we said about culture. I think culture is critical for both of us. People come to work, I think, essentially wanting to do a good job and everybody wants to get paid, but I don't think you're tied to your job just based on dollars, right? You've got to pay your bills, but how you feel connected to the folks that you work with and the, how much you appreciate them, I, I think it goes a long way. Small things, but I think big return. So last question for you guys. You know, if, say, in many years, I open up a book called the uh, Scott and Dimple, How Do You Manage Through a Pandemic Handbook? What would be the two things for both of you guys that would be the top two lessons learned? You know, the thing that you, if you were coaching anybody in 2050, hopefully this doesn't happen, but something else hits, what are the two or three things you think they definitely have to get right? First, I'll tell you, we've talked about writing a book. I can't tell you the title of it because it's, it's probably inappropriate. It's Come probably, on. <laughs> it's probably inappropriate for this podcast. Okay. But I don't know, you know, so we've joked for actually for a long time about writing a, a book called You Can't Make This Shit Up. And, so, <laughs> feel free to cut that part. Um, so it's funny you ask. So, yeah, I, I mean, I would think that, you know, right off the bat, I think culture is key. It is critical. And if you've got a strong culture and a strong team, I think it helps you survive these things because things are happening where if someone's just coming to work for a paycheck, they're probably not going to stick around through this, right? I don't need the uncertainty. I don't need the the 20% pay cut. I don't need the stress because now I'm doing the job of three people and getting paid less. I'll just go somewhere else. So if you haven't built a good culture and, and got good, solid folks that really you know, they buy into the, to the process, to the, you know, to, to what we're trying to accomplish, you're going to suffer, right? You are really, you know, the wheels are going to come off. And then the other thing is obviously, you know, the devil's in the detail, all those little things, you know, and Dimple kind of expanded on that and talked about all those little things are so critical, so important. We were very, very, very fortunate that we had enough time to implement some of the, what we would call basic stuff, the foundation, the blocking and tackling, if you will, before this happened, because had we not, we would have been in real trouble. So having a great foundation is definitely an enabler to oh, yeah. lingering through. Okay. From my perspective, a couple other things, right? I think Scott and I have, have a tradition of being proactive versus reactive. That was part of the cultural shift that we made. So we minute we saw COVID coming down the line. I don't know that our, everyone thought we're going to go to work from home so quickly. I was actually in a crisis meeting where it said, we said, we're going to have everybody ready to go home by March 17th. I said, what? We're not going home March 17th. I said, we're going to be prepared for that. We had to prepare for not worry about the media. Just think this is, thing is coming. We've got to get prepared. We've got to get organized. And I think that that was important. And you, and you have to be able to adapt, right? Things have changed quickly. Finances have changed. I think Scott and I were also very proactive when it comes to finances and looking at our organization saying, where can we cut? And we had to do that. We didn't wait for finance. We didn't wait for leadership because we knew this is something we had to do. And you can't wait for people to ask you to do things. You got to think about the broader environment, what's coming and what you need to do to survive. And I think if everybody in the organization operates that way, we come back stronger as an NCH organization. That's great. Well, I want to thank you, Dimple, and thank you, Scott, for joining me and sharing some of your uh, thoughts and insights. This has been great. 
really appreciate the time and have enjoyed working with you both. Well, thank you, Jay. I know you've been a tremendous support to the team. They yeah. like your interaction. Yeah, we definitely miss working with you, you guys. It was fantastic. <laughs> well, so thank you very much. We appreciate you inviting us to this. Well, thank you. We'll be talking soon. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can write us an email at podcast at com. And if you like this episode, please share it. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackitgroup.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. The Hackett Group is the global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.